0: Sister Chats on the home front is for the woman who needs a heart-to-heart with a fellow sister, a place to learn and to be encouraged by experiences of other military spouses also navigating the transient lifestyle. As we listen to each other's stories, we hope you are reminded that you are not alone in this struggle and encouraged in the gospel. Our goal is to promote joy foster relationship, and encourage you to keep fighting the good fight on the home front. Grab a cup of coffee or whatever's nearby and let's chat. We're so glad you're here.
1: Hi friends and welcome back to Sister Chats on the Home Front. I'm Amanda and today I'm chatting with my new and good friend Elizabeth. It's kind of a funny story. Your husband was in pilot training with Jeremiah, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, so we know you through through your brother-in-law. So, um he trained with my husband.
1: Yeah, I think I think your husband like recognized our last name when we joined the squadron and was like, "I think I know that last name." <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, they stay in touch. Uh, Chris and Jeremiah stay in touch pretty well. So um, they weren't in the same class, but they were uh, in a similar, similar timeline for their training at the same base. And we knew each other. So yeah, I I mean, obviously, such a small Air Force, but (laughs) so fun.
1: (laughs) But anyway, we shared a meal together a few months ago, and I can't tell you how encouraged I was from the conversation of just how God has been faithful in y'all's life through challenges in the military. And so, Elizabeth, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And let's, as we get started, just share a little bit more with our listeners about you and your family.
2: Okay, yeah. So uh, my name's Elizabeth. I have a husband named Christopher who's um, an Air Force officer. And then we have two daughters named Selah and Jordan and a dog. So, that's our crew, and we are currently just busy raising our kids and doing the Air Force life. Oh, yep, that's plenty to
1: keep you busy. (laughs) So, um, you love spending time with your kids, and what else do you do that is encouraging and life-giving?
2: I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom, but I really enjoy... um, a lot of different creativity outlets. I was a, an early childhood teacher, um, for five years in the public schools. And then after my daughter, Sayla was born, I taught preschool for a couple of years. So, um, so homeschooling has kind of become interesting since, you know, the whole start of quarantine time and, sure. <laughs> and that's something I've been able to do. And, uh, and I'm also kind of busy uh, with a little just low key wellness business and I love to garden. That's so fun. I was so excited when you all came
1: over and you were talking about some wellness stuff because I always feel like when anybody talks wellness I get like super excited about that and also about um foster yes, care, which yeah. is something
2: that you mentioned you all had done too. Yeah, so. we we were a licensed foster home for two years, and of course, it didn't work out all the way this, that we thought it would. So we ended up fostering when our daughter was between 18 months old and two years old. And then since then, we just do respite care on a kind of a short-term basis. I love
1: that you guys have done that. Anyway, it was so fun because when we started talking, you know, when you meet someone, you're like, oh, I could talk to these people all day just because it's like, yeah, it's so fun. So that's awesome. So I would love to hear how you were introduced to military life.
2: Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I, I feel like I got kind of the typical military spouse introduction, which is you marry somebody, right? <laughs> um, yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, but I, I had moved back home near near my parents after college. And um, they had joined like a little church plant that was in this kind of rural community that had a, a little teeny tiny Air Force base attached to it. And so at the time, you know, I was a public school teacher, I could move my job anywhere. And so um, I decided to go live kind of not in town with them, but kind of the next town over and, um, and kind of set up life after college. So that's kind of The indirect way I was introduced to the military, my parents had a lot going on. I was the oldest, so my siblings were all the way down to preteen at the time. And we would just all get together after church on Sunday. And it was kind of my way to to minister to my family after college. So all my siblings, all their friends, all their boyfriends, all their their various friends of friends. And we would just have kind of a, a Sunday afternoon community that would take place at our house. So that's kind of how I arrived in a military community. Now, I had a lot of non-military friends, but there were several military families in our church. And so I kind of indirectly ended up getting connected or or kind of observing the military from that angle. And then a lot of those people would end up at our house on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was kind of into this context. We kind of had this rhythm going on a Sunday family time that was just kind of also a church community time. It It was kind of fun to have life come together that fully. And there was really a sense of belonging that I began to have uh, living in this little town. And I think it was about two years in to that time where I was just feeling really, really at home. Right. So I I was teaching public school. I knew everybody, you know, in town. I I felt like my life had kind of just clicked. And um, yeah, and it was just it was just a fun time of life. And I remember one evening. About two years after I moved into town, I was over at a friend's house and we were setting up like a board game night and my cell phone rang. It was on Friday night and I thought, who calls you on a Friday night, right? So I was like okay, I'm just not going to answer my phone. So (laughs) I'm like, whatever, let's just set up our game. And I let it go to voicemail. And my friend's wall phone rang. And the call was for me. And it was my mom telling me that, that my 17 year old brother had just passed away in a tragic accident. That started kind of a really hard year. You know, it was like, I went from life is perfect. And I Mm. have tons of friends and family and everything's going great. And it went from that down to what is going on here? Um, I remember going through the motions and everything kind of continued and we continued to have visitors over at our house. And I remember being so thankful at that point for the years that, you know, where God had really called me to invest back into my, into my family. And, and at the time, a lot of people thought that was weird, right? Oh, you're in your early twenties. And why would you go back to be near your family? And I just remember thinking, thank you, Lord, that you put that on my heart because there had been that season where we had been able to spend all our time together before we lost my brother. Now the Sunday afternoon gatherings; those continued. It, the interesting thing is that visitors still kept coming over to our house. Like it didn't turn into a big family exclusive party at that point. Um, after church, it was still there were still people coming, and in fact, many of those people had never met my brother by the time they started coming over. So it was into this context that I met my husband. He moved into town eight months after we lost my brother and he showed up at church and got invited over to lunch. It was just kind of this was like the typical rhythm to how someone how someone came into our life anyway. So somebody somebody at church was like, "Oh, yeah, you should come over." And so he showed up at our house and he didn't know it was our house. He was like, "I don't know what's going on here." And he like walked in the door and there's just people everywhere and he's like, "Okay, is this Dan and Lisa's house, which those are my parents or is this, you know. Anyway, he could not tell whose house it was. It was it was my house. But so that's how I met my husband. It was kind of fun. We were just friends for several months before we decided to date. But yeah. Oh, that's
1: awesome! I really love that you dived right into the community at your church, and also even just in the area, and having people over to your house on Sunday afternoons. Uh, I, as I was listening to that, I was just like, "Oh, I feel like Elizabeth is <laughs> is so perfectly set right? up in a way for military life <laughs> because because you do have to just be so open and willing to just have your home." ready and have people in there, you know, to build relationships. And I think that's just so beautiful. And so wonderful to hear how God gave you that time before your brother passed yeah.
2: away. The reason I told that whole story in the process of meeting Christopher was he actually came in the door on the very first day. He mentioned he had lost his, his dad that past year. And it was so interesting that him walking in the door in a time where we kind of should have just been, you know, like this is a really hard time of life, stay away. But the fact that we still craved that connection to the outside, he really found a place where he could kind of share his experience with Loss. And I remember that very first day we met him and he really wanted to talk about his dad. And he ran out to his truck and he grabbed a, a DVD of a of a skydive that they had done together and him and his dad and mm. he played it for us so we could see his dad and i remember thinking you know it's just so interesting that that god brings those people to us that kind of are on the road with us that are kind of they're kind of sharing a journey and we had very different losses so i'm not trying to say that we were on the same page you know in that way but right. but i think my family became a place of healing for christopher because of their understanding that we get it we get if you have to talk about somebody that's not here. We get it. If you just want to, want to act like somebody's missing all the time, you know, we, we understand these things. And so, um, so God really had a way of bringing us together just at a point in time when we both, we both needed someone that understood that element of our life that was going to be with us for the, for the rest of our lives.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. I I love hearing how God worked through all that. Um, for both of y'all, Thinking back on the just the story of loss and even the hospitality that your family um, had during that time, do you have any words of encouragement for someone who's walking
2: through that similar grief or a grief of losing someone? The main thing I observed was that grief really had a tendency to drive us apart, and we really mm-hmm. had to fight to not let it do that. And what I mean to say is that every individual person in our family all grieved so differently there was somebody who wanted to talk about it all the time and then there was somebody who if you said a word was so upset about you know so upset that you were talk about it mm, yeah. and they really wanted to just internalize it and not say anything and and you had these people either living in the same house or you know getting together mm. and and it made life really, really hard because you had a need that was completely opposite of someone else's need uh, while you were grieving. And so that's the one thing I, I remember very clearly It's just that everything was normal. Every behavior is normal in grief. Every every way of handling it is is a normal way. It's very, very difficult. But the most difficult thing of all is staying with the people you love. While it's happening.
1: Well, thank you. I think that's so helpful because I just know that when going through something difficult or going through seasons, we all question if we're doing it correctly. And I think that just what you said there is just very encouraging and helping us to realize that like, we're going to all experience it a little bit differently and to just
2: still walk through it with others together. Yeah, give people a lot of grace and give yourself a lot of grace. I remember mm. I remember being unable to to function like whatsoever. Unable to get out of bed or or to think and so there's a lot of grace you need to offer yourself in your entire life and world because you're going to feel like a failure in every way. You can't you can't just keep going. Or some people can actually, but I couldn't just keep going. Mm. I couldn't move on. And my brain just didn't work well for a long time. And I made all kinds of silly, unprofessional mistakes at my job that I've never made before that and I never made since then, right? But that year, that year I had to show myself grace in every area and say, "You know what? I'm making mistakes." That I have never before in my life <laughs> been this bad at making judgment calls. But it's a season of life that you just have to get through while you're while you're processing a loss. Well, thank you. That's such a good word.
1: So, you as as you were saying and I diverted. <laughs> that, so You guys met Christopher through church, and you guys really were encouraged with just being with one another in grief. How did that turn into uh, I Want to Follow You Around the Country? It was
2: kind of a neat progression. So Christopher showed up, and typically his training program only lasts like nine or ten months. Mm -hmm. And so we wouldn't have ever been together or dated or anything, except he had, he, he had a delay in training that lasted for an entire year. So we had time to date and get married. And he didn't even begin his training until right around the time we got married. I kind of stayed in denial for, for quite a while because I was still living in the same old town doing the same old thing. So, so that PCS ended up being our first, we're in the military now kind of, kind of experience. That's
1: awesome. So you guys PCS for pilot training and let's just for so everyone can hear like what y'all have experienced so far.
2: So uh, we have not experienced like a huge variety in, in military experience. I think we've been on the same duty station for four of our five years in the military together. And so I feel pretty inexperienced in terms of military career. We've had a lot of separations, but only one of those has been a deployment. Christopher's absences have really varied depending mm-hmm. on what's been going on so like my oldest daughter hardly remembers him at home as a baby and my second daughter has remembered him being there almost every single day so we've been in very different seasons depending on his assignment and
1: and the situation i think back about how each of my kids kind of will have different experiences based on their age right yes so sometimes i like worry or feel bad for my kids who didn't get to spend as much time with you know daddy in person type of a thing but then I just, you know, have to like trust that God's using each of those seasons, even for my kids, even when it's hard. Well, speaking of difficult things and going through hard things, we would love to hear a challenge or any struggles that you have faced in the military that we could learn from and just be encouraged by hearing your story.
2: So when I PCS'd with my husband for the first time, that was my real moment of reckoning of, okay, like, who am I? Right? And... And I think this is a, a thing that's easy to identify with for a lot of military spouses. There was the change in, in location. So I was in a new community. There was the loss of, of a career that I'd had for five years by the time I moved. And then there was our first baby, all in the same like yeah. six-week time period. So so I was on the rocks. I was like, what is going on? And, and I knew it's one thing to know, oh, I'm supposed to be strong and I'm supposed to Deal with this positively, and I'm so I can get through this. But there's just so much to process all at the same time, and I really related to what you said last week, actually about identity. I was having an identity crisis that was that translated into insecurity. I'm not at all confident with who I'm supposed to be. I'm not at all confident with how I'm supposed to live my life or what's really enough, right? So I, I would get these very mixed signals. So there were the. There were the Christian Christian people from my church back home who had one idea of what military spouse life should look like, and then there were the people in my squadron who had idea B of how a military spouse should mm. be, and and I was defending myself and not in a healthy way, as in I've got I've got something I have to prove to people, and and this is something that I think mm. moms struggle with independently of, of military life, but then I think you throw in the military element and there's a whole different level of I've got to justify why I'm doing what I'm doing and who I am and and why I am what I where I am and and that was a trap I fell into very very deeply. I I kind of thrive on like having a sense of command over my life and and that had been really taken that had been really taken from me. So yeah, so that was kind of my central central struggle was just who am I? What am I doing here? And what do I have to prove to other people because mm. I really was in this unhealthy place of having to defend my myself to other people. Well, I'm only a stay-at-home mom because I'm in the military or I'm all, you know, like these, I would just say these things and it's like, well, why, why do I have to justify myself to somebody else? But I found that being, being a bad habit that I got into. I think from that, the lesson was just that God had put the calling on my life and that I needed to rest in his justification of me. Right. So, so it was interesting that that year we moved our first church that we were in, the pastor was preaching a sermon series on this topic. And and I remember thinking, this is interesting because I feel like he's talking just to me. Like I was having one of those moments of he was preaching through Matthew and he was talking about how we sometimes want Jesus to be made in our own image. And we want Jesus to be this projection of our values. And then we defend, we defend ourselves over that. Right. And when Jesus is calling out the Pharisees and the hypocrites, it's because they've tried to prove something to everybody around while not trusting God to save, so I remember looking at myself and thinking, "Am I really following Christ, or am I following my little ivory tower of, of of perfection that I think that I think is out there?" It was deeply convicting to me. I I remember thinking, maybe I've been trying to get you know my status in the kingdom of God. Maybe it's been based on impressing all the right people, and maybe I'm in church thinking that these people give me entrance rather than thinking that God is the one that gave me entrance. And so I started rethinking basically my whole framework of thinking about myself and realized that a lot of my talk about my life at that point, a lot of talk about being a new mom and about being in a new place. And a lot of the things that came out of my mouth when I didn't know people very well were defensive. And and that really convicted me. I remember going back to Romans chapter 8 where Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And realizing God has done everything to give me my merit. And God has done everything to give me all the good works He wants me to do in the future. They're already prepared. And there's no need for me to fight for status right or to or to work for approval or to think that somehow in my position right now which I felt very vulnerable in that I've got something I've got to prove and so that was really a new sense of peace for me was was just that Going back to Romans 8, and you have to read it in its entirety, of course, not just the part I quoted, but going back to, I'm not living under the law of sin and death, meaning I'm not living under a checklist that's going to make me perfect. I'm living under the Spirit, and there's security in that. Oh, that's just so wonderful. And
1: what I have so appreciated while listening to you tell that story is just the amount of realizing just how much grace you have learned to give yourself. And I think that's so comforting because. I know I struggle with really like, I can, I can say the right things. I can know that my identity is in Christ, but just giving myself the time and the grace to work through those things. Because as you said, like there's so many factors, there's motherhood, there's moving, there's job situations, like all these factors, they really do take a lot more time to process than we give them time often. So I think that's just so beautiful. um, Especially what you said about being gracious to
2: yourself yes and i think the the factor of meeting new people every time you move and sometimes meeting new people while you're still in a location mm. in the military lifestyle we're constantly having to give our short story and in that to shed the defensiveness even if you're sensing that the other person is being critical right you may have the wrong perception or this may be this may be absolutely what's going on you both happen but but to say I'm coming from a sense of peace and that peace doesn't get shaken every time someone comes along and goes, really? You're sleep training your kids how? Or exactly. Or you decided to do what during a deployment, right? I mean, you can go into this in, in multiple different ways that there's a sense of peace there that, that also is bridge building. And this is what, kind of came from this was okay if I have nothing to defend then I'm not on the defensive and there's a lot more opportunity than when I do need to explain well this is our lifestyle and this is how our family works and this is kind of what we're going through right now. I'm explaining it in a way that that is meant to further understanding and deepen a relationship. I'm not I'm not kind of coming at it on, on the defensive in a way that's going to push people away. And especially in our church community where people don't just intuitively get the whole military element of our life. That's been, it's been really important to be able to just explain things in a way that's gracious and not, well, this is the only right way to do things because if you were in my shoes, you know, and, and not to make it about self-defense or self-justification and it it disarms other people in their defensiveness. And I don't know about you, but I have sisters in Christ who need that. They need someone who says, you know what, girl, it's okay. Right. It's not, we're not, we're not here. We're not here to prove anything. Um, And so that, that was really a point where the gospel set me free to have relationships in a context where I was not always going to be understood perfectly. Yeah, I think I've grown so much just in learning
1: how to just be vulnerable without expecting people to fully understand, like you said, but also still sharing with people, even when they don't. And like, I want to, I want to also be the friend who's like wanting to to hear too. Right. So like, just, um, I think it helps me be a, a better friend when I have shared it with others just because I I know how to. I was like, oh, I've been on the yes. receiving end of this. I know how that yes. feels.
2: And, and it's so interesting that we all have different levels of what makes life bad. Mm. And so me sharing, oh, I went through this deployment It was terrible. Well, someone's going to come along and say, well, my deployment was six months long, not four months. Or my husband's been on four of those in the time that your husband's been on one. So, so there's this element too of just and I think going into the non-military community, this, this is true. And then also within the military community, just saying that it's okay for your challenge to be a really big deal to you. And that's okay. And, yeah, yeah. and again, to, to, to be willing to be humble when, when I'm admitting like, this is hard for me, even though other women are not finding it hard. <laughs> and that takes a lot of humility. Right. And then on the flip side to turn around to people who are, just not experiencing the level that I'm experiencing in, for example, dad, dad being gone. And someone from church is Mm -hmm. like, Oh, my goodness, my husband's gone for a whole week. And I'm like, internally, I'm like, Oh, my goodness, like, (laughs) are you really? (laughs) Are you really going to go there? But but to realize that that actually is a big struggle for them, right? And, and that actually is based on the way that they've set up life and the way that they've been able to live so far, that is really hard for them. That's really a struggle that they're going through. And, and I think there's a need kind of in the way that grief is different for everyone. I think there's, there's a way that just our our life hardships hit us in different ways and, and to show grace in that and not to be dismissive of people that are, that are going through different things than us.
1: That's so important. Yeah, no, I really love how you um encourage us in that so i think as we as we close here i'm thinking besides the fact that you know just being humble and and being vulnerable and listening to one another in our struggles um how would you encourage an, another military spouse who's going through a similar issue such so a similar struggle as you
2: yeah i would i would encourage anyone kind of entering that lifestyle and kind of the the first time you realize what it is and what it's going to do and what it's going to take from you, I would really encourage you to take courage and, and look to God who called you to be that person in the place where you are and, and trust his, his creation of you with all your strengths and weaknesses as exactly the person he made for your life and ask ask for the plan because the military really dominates your plans a lot of times it it dominates your your future it dominates what happens in the day to day but ask ask God what he's going to do with that and know that he finds you valuable and he finds you precious based on Christ and based on on Christ's life and death and resurrection that that you've been found in him and don't take your value from how you're treated by your community or by policies that are being handed down or or even don't feel like you're being you're being valued based on your performance you will go through seasons of grief almost like a death like experience where you are on the rocks because of of things that are happening either with your husband or with with just the changes that are happening in your life and and the grief is acceptable and know that 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 season is not how God's judging you. It's not who He sees you as and and really take your security from him. It, you'll get to a point where life will feel normal in in the midst of all the crazy. it'll it'll just feel like normal to be crazy, and you'll get there and it'll be okay. But in the meantime, in the meantime, look to god and 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 look to his sovereignty, his his plan for you and trust him with that.
1: Right. I found so much encouragement in you saying that and slash telling your story of, uh, like going through this right now, because I feel, I feel like so often people are like, Oh yes, I struggled with this. And then, um, like they overcame it. And I just don't think that th- I don't know many people like that. I don't, I'm David struggled with stuff his whole life, like everybody in the Bible both struggled with their, their issues and, you know, even different issues as life goes on. But it's just, I think that, I think we have this idea that like, oh, like if I figure this struggle out, then life is just going to be fine. And that's just, that's a lie. (laughs) I am curious, do you have any resources that you found helpful?
2: I would connect anyone, anyone who's kind of in this place of insecurity, I would connect them back to the book of Psalms and say, go listen to David get mad listen to him be attacked, be persecuted, be betrayed, harmed, slandered, the whole nine yards. Listen to the whole nine yards of what what happened to David and, and others in the Bible. And listen to how he talks in those dark places. Because when life is hard, there's no need for us to, to stuff all those negative emotions. But there is a need to take those emotions to God and to, to realize that we can— we can return to a place of joy and celebration, but it isn't a hundred percent all the time where we live. So, so I, I found a lot of uh, help in listening to just different artists who record Psalms. You can find these, I mean, there's some Nashville musicians that have done, you know, settings of the book of Psalms. There's some more classical choir versions of Psalms as well, but Find something you can you can get into or just listen to the Bible on tape and and listen to the book of Psalms and just kind of stop and stop and identify at the points where you can. And I think that's my main that's my main resource that I would recommend to anybody. That's awesome. Oh, and I want you have a YouTube channel, right? Yes, I do. Now, this is it's a it's a work in the making. So. Uh, it's called Jordy and say it's after my two daughters and it's basically just a place for me to nerd out on all things early childhood <laughs> education so if you're into that I'm kind of I'm very chill so if you're thinking like man I don't actually do formal preschool I don't believe in that but I don't believe in formal education for kids under age whatever four or five but but there are things that are helpful to for parents to know that I feel like get lost in the whole world of traditional preschool curriculums and stuff. And so, yes, I have, a I have a channel. It's called Geordie and say it's on YouTube. That's fantastic. I've, I think I've seen one or two videos and it's, it was encouraging.
1: So I think everyone should go check those out, especially if they have little kids, cause it's just, it's just helpful. And it's, I think I, I just love how you approach it from a, just a very uh, honest and simple aspect, and it's just, that to me is super refreshing, because it's not, as uh, it's not like this intense, you know, like you said, formalized education, that everybody's like, I have to get my child into Harvard right away.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, and yeah, there's, there's some need, I feel like parents aren't given an instruction manual with our kid. you know, we're not given an instruction manual with our kids, but there's a few things, especially if you know about, their education, it's just as like, Oh, okay. I can relax. you know. Yes. Like it's, it's not the end of the world that they can't count objects yet. You know, like <laughs> there's stuff, there's stuff that that's kind of like mythology out there that that just goes around and puts pressure on us. So anyway, so yeah, you can check that out. <laughs> and I had one more question
1: just because I know people have asked me a lot. They're like, well, how do you like just build community? And I just would love to hear, You had people over at your house every Sunday afternoon. I'm guessing it was just like, whoever came showed up and you didn't have like some big fancy thing, like everybody RSVP. It wasn't like, um, only certain people. it was just very chill. So I think that is so important. And I think that is so beautiful. So do you have just like one tip or even just like what you would suggest to anyone trying to build community? And to do you know just have people over at your house, because I think part of it is just like that open ended beautiful you know show up if you can
2: if you can't, no big deal. This is like a whole podcast in and of itself um, but the top tip i I would just say just just make sure it's a it's a routine where people know they're always they're always welcome, so you can't make it a thing that requires an invitation, and then I think the second part is. You have to get over yourself and your house and your kids and everything else. And, I mean, this is where you could get into a whole podcast about this very topic. But if if you wait for the perfect time, you're never going to do it. So you're going to have to have the people over who don't care. And in, in other words, if you're having a bad day, or if you never got the laundry folded, or if dinner burned, like you're just going to have to say it's it's just is what it is, right? So so that would be my other tip. It's just make it, make it very, make it chill enough so that the people who come know that you're, they're part of the family. They're not going to be given a four course meal and crystal China and all the the rest. So. Oh, that's so good. I just,
1: I feel like that's just so encouraging because, you know, it's always super simple, but it's not getting past that is also very mentally difficult. So I just, I feel it's encouraging just to hear how other people have done it so that we can just go and do it scared.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. But yeah, it's a whole different episode, though, would be to talk about that. And I think also talking about how babies and little kids, because we have a a three-year-old and a one-year-old right now, and it it definitely has changed things. So that's not to say, everybody, that I do this all right now. So just, just so everybody's clear on that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been so fun.
1: And I, this has like been a fantastic way for me to spend my morning. I'm just already so encouraged. I'm like, okay, what I can, can I have grace about today? And what can I be vulnerable with? And just, just rest in Christ in that. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, thanks for
2: having me on. And this has been really enjoyable.
0: Wow. Wasn't that encouraging friends? I really appreciated what Elizabeth said about grief. How we all walk through it differently, but we can still all walk together. I feel like that is something that we can start thinking about today. In light of world events, just how can we love our brothers and sisters who are suffering through grief right now? I also really appreciated what she said about having nothing to prove. How we have been set free from the law of sin and death free from checklists from expectations and that we are free to live in the power of the spirit what a joy and peace that truth gives us thanks so much for listening today as always you can find us on facebook and instagram at sister chats on the home front join us there this week as we unpack a little bit more of elizabeth's interview and stay tuned in the coming weeks for some more fantastic interviews from our friends we're so glad you're here have a great day